can't tell if the chemistry is good by looking at it. It wasn't clear yesterday. For the last time, the saltwater pool is a chlorine pool. This is the Talking Pools podcast with pool pros from every region in the country. If it happens in a pool, you'll hear about it here. Everything from tips and hacks to the latest tricks and trends, breaking news. We lay it on the line. We tell it like it is because we think you deserve to know. everybody and welcome to testing thursdays with wayne hope everybody's had a great week so far and that the summer is turning out favorable to you um last week when when i um uh, did my podcast for you all we had the haze from those uh, fires in canada hitting the mid-atlantic area it was pretty bad that thursday i mean there were I think Philadelphia and D.C. and New York got it worse, but uh, here at home, in, the, in about 30 miles north of Baltimore, it was really hazy, and you could smell kind of, smell kind of like somebody was having a barbecue <laughs> a little bit outside, a lot of people with asthma and eye issues and things like that, um, really irritated me by the uh, nature that everybody that uh, didn't have to be outside wasn't outside, and uh, even wear a mask. Uh, on COVID-wise, uh, so that you know they don't accidentally inhale uh, any particles. But it, it was it was pretty bad on Thursday. Friday got better, and by Saturday it was all gone, and it looked perfectly normal, as normal as you could possibly get outside. But it was perfectly normal. So, with all that being said, let's get back to reality. And what we're going to be talking about today is what I'd like to call impossible testing. We had an impossible chemistry. Uh, podcast uh, a couple times ago. It might even be on uh, this week. I'm not really sure, but I did record one. But this was an impossible testing, and it's all based on a conversation that I had with with a colleague in the industry all about an hour or so ago. There's a uh, retail store and service company uh, located in Jacksonville, Maryland. Um, not Florida, but Jacksonville, Maryland. And I've known these people for, for a long, long time. And you can call them out, ANS Swimming Pool. Um, in, in Jacksonville, the family run business, they've been around forever. I've known a couple generations of, of people who've worked at that location. Uh, good people, very good people, nice people, knowledgeable people, of course, cause I taught them pat myself on the back, uh, <laughs> but, um, they, they know what they're talking about and they deal a lot with, uh, well water cause out where they live, uh, Baltimore city doesn't pump water. Uh, so they have to rely mostly on well water or water that's trucked in. And, and when I say trucked in water, for those of you who don't know, what will happen is there are companies at the beginning of the pool season here. Usually they, they do this in May, sometimes April, maybe even as early as March, but usually it's April or in early May, uh, where a tanker, uh, like what would be considered a gasoline tanker, but it's not gas, uh, pulls up to a Baltimore City. Um, a Baltimore Water Department fire hydrant and is allowed to uh, open up the hydrant and fill up their tanker 
with about, now it's going to depend on the size of the tanker, but most of those tankers have, have hold anywhere from 10,000 up to 20,000 gallons of water. And then they'll charge like four or $500 a tanker until the, the pool gets filled up. A good way to make money. It's city water, so it's, it's relatively good, uh, actually. Baltimore City Water, straight out of the tap, or in this case, the fire hydrant, comes in at a pH of, of about 7.4, 7.5. The alkalinity is 100 to 110. The hardness is on, on the low side, about 50, 60 parts per million. A um, little bit of tiny, tiny, tiny bit of copper, tiny, 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 tiny bit of phosphate, but but nothing really to, to speak of that's going to affect anything. As opposed to well water, which could be anything, quite honestly. That's why you always test the water, the incoming water first, before you do any other testing. So uh, the uh, ANS people call me up this morning and they say, hey, Wayne, you know, we know you're retired, but can I ask you a tech question? Of course you can. Um, that kind of thing. So she says, got a customer who has a spa, a large spa. Um, why is it always spas? Um, about a thousand gallon spa. And he's, he's usually pretty good with it. Um, brings in his water religiously, you know, um, to, to have it tested. Drains the spa every few months. And he gets a out-of-boy star in his forehead. But something weird happens. Okay, well, what's weird? She said, well, when they test the source water, the source water before they fill up the spa has zero phosphates in it. Okay? When they fill up the spa, and even before they add any other treatment product, they, they turn it on. The so water circulates a bit. Um, they'll collect a sample. They'll let it cool temperature-wise a little bit. And redo all the tests, and they do the phosphate test, and it's twenty five hundred parts per parts per billion. What? Yeah. So you know, incoming water has no phosphates, but yet when they turn on the spa, there's phosphates. What's going on? Well, let me tell you, people. I've been with Taylor thirty one years. Retired last fall. I've heard all sorts of tech questions you can imagine, and I'd say of all the tech questions I have ever been asked whether emails, calls, in person, whatever, I can answer about 98% of them, okay? Or there's some logical reason something happens. But then there's that 2% that that's when I go, what, huh? Never heard of that one before. And this was one of them. I had no idea whatsoever what was going on. So I asked her things like, well, what was the water temperature of the sample? Well, it was under 90 degrees because they had just filled it up, Okay. Didn't have a chance to heat up the water. Okay. Any other treatment products added? Nope. Not that they're aware of. And she she says she doubts it because uh, the guy's really, really fastidious about keeping his, his spa water good. Okay. That sounds good. Um, what kind of tests do they use? Well, she says, well, we use a test from natural chemistry that involves using powder. And I said, okay, yeah, that's Stannis chloride powder. Okay. Well, that, that's fine. It's usually a pretty, pretty good test. Of course, I'm going to say Taylor was better, but you know, it's, it's a pretty good test, natural chemistry. I said, now I'm assuming he's doing the testing, right? And she said, we're doing the testing. I said, okay, well, I know you're doing the testing right then. And I said, you know, it, is there anything in the water that you're not aware of or that you think he might be adding that could cause this? And she said, I don't know. Well, then that, that I told her, well, you know, rather than hear me go, uh, 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 for, you know, 10 or 15 minutes, I said, let me, let me do some digging and see if I can find something. So, of course, we go to handy dandy Google 
and I type in false positive phosphate testing in recreational water. Zip. All I got were how to test for phosphates. Um, Yeah, I know how to test for phosphates. Really know how to test for phosphates. And so I'm hunting and I'm hunting and and a couple couple of hits came up on Google that said that the only time you would ever possibly see like a false answer was as, was if there was already lanthanum chloride, which is what you use to remove phosphates in water, already present in the water. And I said, well, that's not, you know, I said to myself, that doesn't happen because he fills it up from a well. And I said, I, I doubt if there's lanthanum chloride in the water already. So I called, called her back and I said, okay, is he adding in a phosphate remover and not telling you, which is conceivable and more common than we care to admit. Um, you have somebody going behind her backs and oh, I know better. I know how to treat the water. And she said, absolutely not. The guys are really faithful customers. They've been with them for 30 plus years. They, you know, and he really, he's a, he's a good one. He's not one of the weird ones. So I said, okay, so there's no possibility of him adding in any other kind of treatment chemical. And besides the only other chemical that could possibly cause a false positive reading would be lanthanum chloride, which is what, again, you'd use to get rid of phosphates. So I'm scratching my head and scratching my head and scratching my head. I have no idea. I sent out a couple emails, a couple texts to some uh, colleagues that I know, and they're all basically saying the same thing. We have no idea what's going on. Never heard of that one before. So... Got to thinking a little bit more. And so I called her back and I said, okay, let's do this. The test kit that you're using, the one from natural chemistry, what's the upper limit on that test kit? And she said, 2,000 parts per billion, 2,500 parts per billion. And I went, okay. Um, The Taylor test kit, the one that, that I'm familiar with, can go up to 6,000 parts per billion. It's a K1106. This is not a commercial. This is just giving you the information. Um, and I said, it's possible, not probable now, but possible that what you're seeing, what you're getting when you first test that water after the spa's been filled is actually because it can't read high, it stops at, the reaction stops at 2,500 parts per billion and stays blue. Stannous chloride will, when you add it to a sample of water, will turn blue in the presence of phosphate. Really pretty blue. She said, well, it's possible. And I said, well, uh, do you have the Taylor kit? And she says, yeah, we have it, but I don't know how old the reagent is. And I said, okay, don't, don't worry about that. I said, next time he comes in with the sample, what I want you to do is a one-to-one dilution on the kit from natural chemistry. And I went over the the general idea of, of a dilution or you know, one half, whatever the test asks for sample wise, half it. And then that, that's your actual sample water. And then the other half would be water that has no phosphates in it, like say bottled water. Then do the test, produce a color, match the color to the value, multiply the number of that value by two. So if it matches um, 1,000, it's really 2,000. If it matches 2,500, it's really 5,000. I said it is. It's possible that in in the absence of any other chemical treatment or otherwise in the water, that could be causing this false positive reading. I said it's possible that your phosphate levels are just way, way, way too high because his source water is well water, and he does live near a farm. Hello, you know, 
So I'm also thinking, well, maybe nitrates, you know, um, um, are interfering. But no, they have a nitrate kit and they don't have any nitrates in the water. So um, she hasn't done it yet. She probably won't be doing it until later on in the end of the week. But she's going to call me back with the results. And, and that kind of leads into just some general thoughts I want to pass along to you is that whenever you're out there in, in the field or, or office or, you know, by the pool, whatever, and you're doing a test, and regardless of how well you know the test, you know, make sure you read the instructions, but you got these weird colors or weird answers that make absolutely no sense whatsoever, okay? Uh, particularly if the values are higher than what you think they should be or, or, or are. Uh, you can always do a one-to-one dilution. It's easy to do a one-to-one dilution on a color matching test. You know, like I said, just you know, half sample water, half um, uh, water that has nothing in it. Uh, do you, do your test, match a color, multiply the value of that color that's matched by two, and that's your answer. On a drop test, you can, you know, do half samples and things like that. And, you know, again, multiply your answer by two at the very, very end. But whenever you you get weird answers, just don't assume you know something is wrong with the water. It could actually be with with the test itself, or the result that you're trying to get is way out of the range for that particular reagent, the, that particular test. Particularly, it happens more often in color matching tests than uh, drop tests, really. But it, it can still happen in drop tests. Just go ahead and do that dilution. Now, most test kits will tell you how to do the dilution. I know the Taylor kits do. I'm not sure about the others. I'm, I'm assuming that they do also, but, you know, more familiar with the Taylor stuff. So I, I know I know what goes on there. But more than likely, it, it might be a dilution problem. I'm and What I'm thinking is with, with this customer that ANS pools have is that, they're, again, their they're phosphate level is so much higher than what the upper range of the of the test kit is able to read. That's why they're getting that color. Kind of like, you know, bleaching out a color um, or doing a partial bleaching in a chlorine test. It's kind of the same concept, but not the same, necessarily the same result. But still, um, dilutions are a very easy and quick and simple way to read higher than the value that the test kit is designed to to show before a dilution. So always double check too with the manufacturer to make sure that you can indeed do a dilution. Some tests you can't really. Some of the low range kits I, I would not do because the the then with the one to one dilution your values are so stretched out. It's all, it's very very difficult to see. Uh, but check with the manufacturer that that you can do a dilution and if you can do it. You know, to read higher values. Now, that's impossible testing one. Impossible testing two, same same company, ANS, had another customer where they're doing a calcium hardness test. And we all know with your standard calcium hardness test, it's a drop test, a titration. Uh, normally, it's a 25 mil sample of water. And then you add a whole bunch of buffer to the water. In, in the case of a Taylor calcium hardness test, you're adding 20 drops of reagent number 10 to it. And what that buffer does is that it actually raises the pH of the sample so that when you add the indicator, it produces the right color and then you titrate out appropriately. So 
after you've added your 20 drops of reagent 10, your buffer, you add five drops of your uh, indicator solution. And it will turn your sample uh, for calcium harness test, it will turn your sample uh, red. Um, now, when you start adding the titrant, which you're counting the drops of, uh, you go from red to a beautiful sky blue color. And then each drop is equal to 10 parts per million. So if it took 25 drops to make that color change from red to blue, then 25 times 10 is 250. I mean, that's your standard titration. Uh, you can also change your drop equivalents with a smaller sample size. You can do a dilution, things like that. But what she was telling me on this particular test is that she'll get a sample of water. Water's not, not is, is warm, but not hot. That's kind of key here. And they add in the 20 drops of buffer. And the sample should normally stay clear, but it goes cloudy, like a milky cloudy. And again, I went, huh? Never heard of that one before. Um, and I said, well, have you finished out the test? She said, no, because I didn't want to waste reagents. Okay, I, I get that. And so, again, I asked her, what, what's the normal calcium harness around 3, 320, okay? Um, anything different? No, not at all. What's the temperature of the sample? Because the, the cloudiness can be formed by a, a warmer or hotter sample temperature than what you would normally have. Remember, you've got to stay between 50 degrees and 90 degrees Fahrenheit in order to get the appropriate reaction and therefore the appropriate color for whether it doesn't matter whether it's a color matching test or a titration, doesn't matter. So I asked her what the temperature of the sample was, and she says, well, it's probably around 80, 85. And I'm going, mm, that might be it. What's the normal calcium harness reading for this customer? She said, well, normally it's in the 300s. She said, but within the past month, it's it's been, it's it's over 500. And I said, well, wow, that that's a lot. I said, what happened with that? Well, he shocked with Cal Hypo a lot. And I'm, okay, I can add add to it. Um, and then he uses Cal Hypo tabs um, in an erosion feeder. So he's adding calcium uh, to the water. Now remember that as far as calcium hypochlorite is concerned. For every pound of cal hypo that you use, calcium hypochlorite you use, per 10,000 gallons of water, you're adding about four parts per million of calcium to the water. Number sounds small, but if you if you if cal hypo is your primary sanitizer and or you use it for shocking purposes, you can see where it can add up pretty dramatically over time. And that's what we kind of both suspect here is happening, is that the combination of a warmer sample temperature and his calcium harness reading uh, being a little bit on the high-ish side, you know, probably over 500. That's what's causing the cloudiness. So I, again, I, I asked her to go ahead and do a one-to-one -one dilution on this to see whether or not it's, it's going to change anything. And she said the customer will come in on Saturday with the sample and she will do that. So, you know, two, two impossible testing questions from the same customer in a day. It's not unusual, <laughs> um, uh, but it, it's unusual enough, though, that, you know, I wanted to share that with you, particularly the first one where they're getting a reading, uh, a positive reading on something, and then a, a zero reading on something, and then a positive reading when you add it to just, you know, a pool or in this case, a spa 
Nobody's added any product. Nobody's you know, done anything behind their backs. It's just, boom, it went up by itself. Chemistry doesn't happen by itself, gang. Um, it, it's not magic. It's not like Hogwarts or, you know, or Harry Potter or anything like that. You know, you can't say adium soda ashium or whatever. <laughs> you know, you can't do that. Uh, it doesn't quite work like that. There's a reason. So, like all, all the calls I used to get about, my pH just bottomed out by itself and I didn't do anything. Yeah, you probably did something. What did you do? Well, I used trichlor. Well, that's a low pH. That could do it. Or you know, my brother-in-law added a, a gallon of something and I don't know what it was, but it didn't change the look of the water. Probably acid. That kind of thing. So, and, you know, and, and customers, you know, God love them. They, they pay the bills when they pay, but they also don't tell the complete truth. Now, the customer is not necessarily always right. They might think they're always right, but they're not. So uh, what do what do I leave with you today until the next time we talk or you listen to me talk? Is that um, whenever you're testing and you get weird answers or weird colors or, or, or something that's not out of the norm, don't panic. There's probably a reason for that. There's definitely a reason for that. And it's uh, that reason is somewhere. Uh, the answer is somewhere on how to fix it. If it's a common one, then it's going to be in the instructions in your test kit or commonly known so that it's like on the internet or, or the other pool spa, like Facebook groups and things like that. That'll help you with the answer. Uh, if it's out of the ordinary or something you've never seen before or you get the home um, kind of reaction, that's when you talk to the manufacturer or somebody who knows their chemistry and can help you get the correct answer. Now, that's all I have for today, folks. I, I hope that you have a great week upcoming, and I'll be talking at you next time. Take care. Oh, and, and like always, if you have any comments, any suggestions uh, for topics, please feel free to send them to talkingpools at gmail.com and the appropriate person will get them. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye for now. just wanted to take a minute to say thank you for listening today. I'm hoping you enjoyed the episode as much as we enjoyed putting it together for you. Listen, it's been a couple of wacky, crazy, screwed up years from pandemic to Poolmageddon. I just want you to know that we are all in this together. If there's anything that we can do for you, send me an email at talkingpools at gmail.com. Again, that's talkingpools at gmail.com. We're here. This is your podcast. We are the Pool People's Podcast of the Pool People for the Pool People by the Pool People's Podcast. This one is about you. So thank you for tuning in and listening. Do me a favor. Click subscribe before you go. That way you don't miss an episode. 